So, we're going to talk about faith. What is faith? Paul Tillich calls it your ultimate concern. In his little book, Dynamics of Faith and Everything Else that he wrote, he calls it about what is your ultimate concern. So, whatever your ultimate concern is, that's what you have faith in. That's your God, he would say, or Tillich would never say God. That's your ground of being. And so, so it's your ultimate concern. What's your ultimate concern in life? Jürgen Boltman, one of my favorite theologians, talks about hope and faith are tied together. And he, he really puts it into the context of the eschaton. Now, the eschaton is a word that you learn when you go to seminary. And if you don't know it, thank God, just move on. Uh, uh, you don't need to know it. But it really has to do with a future hope, something out there. And so, so he talks about it in terms of this future that we're looking for. And this future transforms us a lot there. We, we often, often transfer, translate the word faith into belief. Not quite accurate, but that's something. I believe something, therefore I have faith in it. I like the definition of the little boy who says it's believing what ain't so. Uh, there's something about that. We often treat our faith that way. Well, we don't really believe it, but we have faith in it anyway. And it's not really so, but, you know, it's where we ought to be. It's kind of like a, a, an intellectual assent to something. Uh, the, the, the situation, situation in life in the, for the book of Hebrews is that Hebrews is not one of the major churches, the, the church that we seem to have been written to here. We don't know exactly where it is, maybe Rome. It's a small church. It wasn't even founded by an apostle. You talk about having a, an imposter syndrome. They weren't even founded by an apostle, probably. They had experienced some persecution in the past. And they worried about it occurring again, and in just a few years, in fact, it's going to. They, they seem to be in danger of this church of just kind of drifting away. Just kind of, well, it was a nice start. We had a lot of fun at the beginning, but, you know, I'm tired this morning. I'm not going. Right? Those kind of things, they're just kind of drifting away. It's not like they're, they're taking a hardcore rebellion. And, you know, I used to believe this, and I don't believe it anymore. It's just kind of drifting away. Now, the writer of Hebrews is really strong with them, but we're not going there about that today. And, and so the writer of Hebrews seems to be telling them, look, you're kind of drifting away. You're kind of moving away from the faith. And he tells them that faith is actually their solution. Now, you got all those big trends, and I've read all week. Man, I've read Moltman this week. I've read Tillich this week. I've read Newbigin this week. I've read about faith. And what I finally came down to is there a writer in 1965 who seemed to sum it up pretty well for me. And it's a guy named Curtis Mayfield who wrote, People get ready. There's a train a-coming. You don't need no baggage. You just get on board. All you need is faith. To hear the diesels humming. You don't need no ticket. You just thank the Lord. That, for me, begin to sum it up. They're being encouraged to hold fast to their faith here, to persevere. It's kind of what Curtis Mayfield's trying to tell us. So the writer here tells us that we have to have faith. And that is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we're, we do not see. So what is faith? So if we're getting ready for that train, what is faith? Well, the open verse of this chapter 11 sketches two dimensions of faith, our faithfulness. Faith is confidence in what we hope for. 
and it's assurance in what we do not see. So faith really is your guarantee, uh, the peg on which we hang our hopes. Because of faith, our hope is not just flimsy dreaming, pie in the sky out there somewhere. It's not, it's not Marx's opiate of the people, right? It has substance and reality. It is something that we actually experience that's real. Faith provides a ground of which we may hold fast. The message, the translation, the message says this way, it's our handle on what we can't see. Faith is how we get hold of all those things that we really can't see. And yet, we believe in them. Because of faith, we are able to have confidence. A second element of faith here that we find, first is, it's this, it's this confidence. It's this guarantee. It's this handle. The second piece of it is faith always calls us forward. And so in the midst of faith, if you, if you have faith, if you experience faith, you're being called to something, to move forward, to do something. The grounding of faith orients us toward the future. It says there, Abraham and Sarah could have gone back if they wanted to that other land. But because of faith, they did not. They moved forward. Faith gives us courage to step out, to move forward, to launch into the unknown. That is the second dimension of faith. And so, faith, it is that handle. It is that confidence in all that God tells us. And it's God's call on our life to move us forward. So how do we experience faith? Well, we know that faith is a gift of God, do we not? Or maybe we better should say the capacity for faith is a gift of God. Somehow, we play a role in having faith. Somehow, God gives us that capacity, but we have to exercise that capacity. For many, faith is an intellectual or an emotional assent to a set of facts, almost like that little boy, believing what ain't so. But I got a set of facts here, and I'm going to believe them. I believe that God created the world. Right? And we run down a litany of data and facts. And, and that for us is faith. I believe this. You know, I, I, I hope you don't have this at your house, because if you do, I apologize already. That little thing that says, I believe it, that settles it. No, it doesn't. Your belief means nothing. You know, it usually starts with God said it, I believe it, that settles it. I want to argue with you what God said before you're going to believe, right? So, so simply believing in a, a set of facts is not where faith takes us. Jesus told us the demons believe and shudder. So belief is not this idea. It's not a set of facts. Faith is, in fact, a response of trust to God's gracious self-giving. And so get that idea and move it from faith being belief to faith being trust. The fundamental fact of existence is that this trust in God, this faith, this firm foundation in the promises of God is what provides to us life and meaning. Faith, it's an openness of heart, an openness of mind, an openness of our life to God, trusting, having confidence in God, reliance on God, that what God tells us is true. And not just true and we believe it, but it's true in a way of how I'm going to live my life. Richard Rohr said it this way, faith and trust is foundational. Even more so than love. Faith alone holds you while you stand waiting and hoping and trusting. It is foundational. Faith lays the needed foundation for the ongoing discovery of love. Through our faith, 
Through our trusting, we can experience love. Because you see that faith is always found in not a mental ascent, it is found in a relationship. Thus, it has to be trust, not a set of facts or data. It is in relationship that we find faith. It is in relationship that we build trust. And, and we would say it is in relationship directed to the persons, and in particular, the person of God as we know God in Jesus. That relationship, it's not enough for me to say, I believe Jesus existed. I believe Jesus did this and did that, and I believe that we have some great teachings from Jesus, and I believe they're true. It comes down to knowing Jesus, to being in relationship with Jesus. Faith is a personal response to a personal calling. God calls us. God says, I love you. And faith gives us the handle to have that relationship. You see, here's the challenge. We don't see and then trust. Okay, give me all the facts and I'll believe it. Now, I'm one of those guys, I always like to do the research and I like to see what's going on. And I'm a skeptic, uh, I'm, I'm cynical. I, 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 uh, Gail trusts everybody and loves everybody, she'll hug you. I don't have so much confidence in you. Uh, the strangers that we meet in the supermarket, I'm a little less excited about talking with them. When they call me and want to scam me, uh, even when they're actually doing good for me, I don't believe them, right? So, so I'm that nature. We don't see and trust. And so this is a challenge for me because it is in trusting that we see because it's a relationship. Test God and see. Try God and see. Be in relationship. Faith is to take God at God's word and direct our lives accordingly. And see what happens. Faith has substance and reality because it is a relationship. Faith demonstrates the existence of the reality which cannot be grasped through our senses alone. It is the assurance of what we do not see. I do not see God. I don't know where God is. And yet somehow in relationship with God, I experience God. Faith is experienced in relationship with God. Now, it is a fact, as Moltmann would argue with you, that faith and hope are, are inextricably linked. Faith celebrates now the reality of the future blessings which make up the actual content of Christian hope. So we celebrate now what God is doing for us in all time. Future realities are present to us because of faith. And all that that we don't see, we know is real and acting on our behalf. We believe that God is acting on our behalf, creating things like unleashing potential so that we can make a difference in people's lives, so we can be a blessing. Things that we cannot see with our outward eye, we see with our inner eye when we look to God with faith. Faith is always future-oriented. It's not enough to have it now. I believe, therefore I'm faithful. That kind of idea of belief. Therefore I'm faithful. Therefore I can just sit here on my blessed assurance and go to heaven. Now I don't buy that, but, but I'm not also saying you're not going to heaven. I won't get everybody there from my perspective, but that's okay. That's another day for another sermon. Uh, faith produces hope that looks forward with utter conviction. I can change the future because God is with me. God will change the future because... I do what God tells me. 
the, the, the writer, writer of the letter is trying to tell the recipients, look, things are tough, things may get tougher, but your faith should look forward into the future, no matter what the present is. And so we will persevere. Faith calls on us to persevere in doing good, in doing right, into being, being blessings. blessings. And, and, and then, then the writer of Hebrews, Hebrews gives us Abraham and Sarah as an example. He said, so, so I've told you what faith is. But now let's look, let me show you an example. Let me give you a story. Uh, Dana, everybody likes stories. We know that. So let, he's going to, the writer's going to give us a story. We talk a lot about this with, with our next pastor. They need to be a storyteller. I, I wish I was better at it. I can lie to you, but I'm not a good storyteller. Uh, uh, I wouldn't lie to you. I wouldn't lie to you. Uh, trust me, I wouldn't lie to you. Not here. Uh, uh, but, but, but he tells a wonderful story. He says, look at Abraham and Sarah. Look at the lives of this, cu- this couple. Uh, faith just shines forth from them from all over the place. They're holding fast. They're moving forward. They're trusting God. They're willing to leave their home and go to places they don't know because God has said that's a thing you ought to do. And they just keep there even though things aren't always working out. They hold fast. Because, because they, they believe the promises of God. God had promised Sarah and Abraham countless descendants. Now, they're old, folks. It's not, it's not looking so good here for them to have these descendants. But they don't say, well, you know what? Maybe we heard God wrong. Let's go back down to where we were. It's more comfortable there. And let's just assume that we heard God wrong. No. They said, God told us this. And therefore, we will pursue on. And, 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 they and they trusted God. In, in relationship with God, they trusted that God would be faithful. And they were so excited about that. And then Isaac comes along. You know what the name Isaac means? It means laughter. Laugh. And they said, yeah, look what God did. Isn't it is great? Old people like us having kids. This is unreal. This is unreal. That happened because they trusted God. Despite all the facts around them. And they also kept moving forward. That was the second part of faith. They just kept moving forward. God called them. They moved forward. They had to live in tents. Okay, we're moving forward with God. They lived like strangers in a country that God had told them they would give them. Because God was always calling them forward. They did more than hold fast to the promise. Sarah and Abraham knew the promise of God was a call on their life. And so they lived in that second dimension of faithfulness, of trusting God and going where God leads them. How did they do this in face of all the facts? The facts are there, folks. Abraham and Sarah are not having children. That's really where we've got to deal with the issue of doubt, do we not? Doubt's a reality in my life. It's probably a reality in most of our lives, whether or not we admit it or not. So how do we handle Doubt. That's, That's where I'm actually I'm going to quote for you, Paul Tillich, and you got this little quote in your worship guide. Faith is uncertain insofar as the infinite to which it is related is received by a finite being. Now, what Tillich is actually trying to say there is, look, because I'm a human being, I really can't count on myself to keep faith going. And while God is an infinite being, I can count on God. Because it is God I count on, not myself. It is God who brings faith. And, and, and Tillich says, we have to live in the midst of our own doubt, our own uncertainty. We have to live in the midst of that, but we have to live trusting and faithful. And Tillich says, 
excuse me, Tillich says, how we do that is we live courageously. We are called to live courageously. In the face of facts, in the face of data, in the face of the challenges that life can present to us, whether it's wars, our local challenges, or our own health, in the face of that, we will live courageously, believe that God is pulling us through to that, that ultimate, ultimate place that God will have us, that city on the hill, that future. You see, I don't have confidence in myself. If it was up to me to have faith, don't have any. Okay, you shouldn't have confidence in me either. Just don't, don't have any. It just disappoints you. But I do have confidence in God because I've experienced God. I have a relationship with God. I pray. I read my Bible. I worship. I listen to others. I learn from others. I see God in the face of others. Those of you who've been created in the image of God, I see God in you. And I have confidence in God. That is faith. And because of that, I can move forward. Because of that, I have a handle on that confidence. Faith perceives the future. And because faith perceives the future, it transforms the present. I live different now because I believe God's got the future handled. And I trust that. That is what we're called to do, Dayspring. We say we want to do something about poverty. Who do we think we are? Little bitty Dayspring. Good-sized church, but little bitty Dayspring in the whole scheme of the world. Who do we think we are that we can make a difference in poverty in this community? I don't know, but God called us. God created children out of Sarah and Abraham and a nation. Multitudes of people, and God remained faithful. It is in faith, relationship with God, trusting and trusting that the future is in God's hands that we can change today. We can be different. The world around us, our community, can be different. Because, see, Curtis Mayfield had it right. People get ready. There's a train coming. That's about the future. That's about that hope. We're not staying at the station. People get ready. There's a train coming. You don't need any baggage. You just get on board. God's got the train for you. All you need is faith, confidence, and trust, and relationship with God. And you know when you do that, you hear the diesels humming. You begin to see the possibilities of change in your life and the lives around you in this community. You don't need a ticket. You just thank the Lord. You're just in relationship with God. This is faith. Curtis Mayfield had it right. There's a train coming. All we need is faith. Amen.